Hello, listeners, and welcome again to Building a Better Story World, the podcast in which we help you create better story worlds. It is I, Steel Tyler Filipek, here for the second time in my never-ending mission to... Boldly go where no one has gone before. That is, my mission to help you become a better creator of story worlds. Be it in the form of a book, a television show, a film, a comic, a branding campaign, whatever... If you're just starting out, glad to have you. We have prompts and assignments every week to get you into the writing groove, to find your voice, and to find something new to say. If you're an old hat, that's good too. Nothing like keeping those creative muscles loose and ready. And if you just want to listen along, you're welcome as well. Better to be a user of the stories being told in pop culture than a consumer. Last time, we talked about the five basic elements of a good story in the hopes of making sure we were all on the same page with basic narrative structure. If you've been keeping up with your story, take out your work so we can continue. If not, and you'd like to take part, here's the first prompt of the day. A good story will have at least these five elements. A protagonist, the main character of your story. A need, something that that character needs to fulfill on their journey. An obstacle, preventing them from getting that need. A choice your character makes to overcome that obstacle. And a resolution. Whether they succeed, fail, get a bit of both, or neither. Just hit pause if you need some time to work things through. When you're ready, we will continue. As you may recall, this is just a very basic story. One that is required for a story world, but can function on its own. Not every story needs a whole world for it to succeed. I remember watching the Universal Classic Monster films as a kid, and I fell in love with those characters. And now it's a real privilege to bring one of my favorite monster movies into modern day with this new film. I hope you enjoy this special look at The Mummy. No matter how hard some Hollywood studios try to shove one down our throats. So what makes a story suitable for a whole story world? A world that persists in our audience's imaginations. A world that they want to visit. A world that has a life of its own beyond one single story. Well, without the right hero, you won't get very far at all. Now, here's a word that I hate to use when discussing story structure. Hero. It comes from the Greek heros in one of two forms. Either a larger-than-life participant in the form of epic storytelling, like the Iliad or the Odyssey, or a human or demigod with rituals surrounding their exploits. Doesn't sound too heroic in the modern sense. Indeed, a hero doesn't necessarily need to be 100% good in order to be a good main character. They should have flaws. If they're too high and mighty, then they might come across as a boy scout or a hypocrite. Next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go to it. The bat is dead. Whereas if they're too dark, they'll come across as a sociopath. Tell me. Do you bleed? So let's just stick with protagonist. What's the key difference between a protagonist in a singular story and a protagonist in an ongoing saga that has to sustain itself across multiple platforms or multiple storylines or multiple decades? To ask the question is to know the answer. A story world's primary protagonist cannot be the only figure of importance in your story. They may be a great leader. They may be the chosen one. They may bring balance to the force or destroy it. But the world persists without them. They are emblematic of their story universe rather than the key to its success. Think of these primary characters that have helped launch major story world franchises. 
a general who was attempting to save his people from annihilation in a seemingly never-ending civil war. Autobots, roll out! We roll! An average blue-collar worker who stumbles upon a cosmic superweapon that threatens every life that comes into contact with it. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. A chef who, despite her amazing home, husband, kitchen, and life, crafts simple yet elegant food that anybody can make at home. I thought I'd surprise Michael and Jim with a cake for their anniversary party. You'll note how each of these individuals has played a part in books, television, podcasts, and more. Naturally, science fiction and fantasy are going to lend themselves better to this kind of extension via their protagonist. They do have entire worlds to explore, after all. But think also to how even your standard self-help guru, be it in the form of a sex advice columnist or a public access painter, crafts a world in the audience's mind. Rather than go in-depth on all of these figures, however, let's just choose one, a famous protagonist that everybody knows and loves. I love you, you love... Hold on, wrong tape. Expecto Patronum! Ah, everybody's favorite adolescent wizard. First appearing in 1997's The Philosopher's Stone, or The Sorcerer's Stone, depending on which side of the Atlantic you reside, the stories featuring this magic-wielding teenager and his ilk have appeared on the silver screen, on the West End, on Broadway, on the Xbox, on Universal Studios theme park lots, and on and on and on and on and on. J.K. Rowling managed to craft a world that people fell in love with, but only because she was able to get Harry Potter right. Beyond simply being a good storyteller, however, what did she do? Let's recall our handy-dandy sheet from last episode. A protagonist must have... An outer goal, something visual or visible that they're going for that will define their journey. Win the job, get the gold, finish first. That kind of thing. An inner goal, something more nebulous, more psychological, more emotional that they may or may not even realize that they're going for. Find love. Overcome failure. Discover one's place in the world. Get it? A non-relatable strength, something amazing that they do that we can't but wish we could. Mutant powers. Amazing charisma. Billions and billions of dollars. In the case of Bruce Wayne, Scrooge McDuck, Christian Grey, I mean, <clears throat> anyway. A relatable flaw. A character frailty that we all understand because, hey, we all have flaws. Being too cynical, or too quick to anger, or having self-doubt, or pushing people away when you should be bringing them closer. Don't worry about writing these down just yet. We're going to go into each one of them, bit by bit, and help you construct your protagonist in a way that will make them far better suited for a story world than for a singular tale. Let's get that spoonful of sugar down first. The non-relatable strength, everybody's favorite part. It's the easiest. We all want to win the gold medal, or fight society's ills, or be incredibly attractive. For the vast majority of us, these kinds of things are outside our reach, so we create characters that embody these elements. We get to experience their adventures vicariously. We are side by side with them as they go along their amazing journeys around the world. This is a key part to any story world. We have to want to go along with them. We have to want to be there. We have to want to be in this world. Even when that world is infested by zombies, we want to be there because we believe we could survive. Or, at the very least, make better decisions than those idiots on TV. Even when the story world is one of horror, filled with booby traps and little games and whatnot, we strap ourselves into that funhouse ride to see where the tracks will take us. The protagonist is a shortcut to this. They give us a viewpoint into the world. 
we see things through their eyes. This is why, typically, our main character is just entering this world, like Harry Potter. Everything is new to them, so they need some explanation, which is oh so helpful for the audience. That being said, we don't need POV characters to succeed. Star Trek officers live in a utopic world that has been developing for centuries after our own, but it's their strengths, their aspirational qualities that make us want to follow along with them, even when an episode, or ten, isn't all that good. In Harry Potter's case, his aspirational strength is obvious. You're a wizard, Harry. Harry can do magic. He can literally change the world around him. There are wands and dragons and potions and ancient runes, and they're all in books. Or at least, the way to work them are. You can figure it out. Sure, Harry Potter has some of this wizarding stuff innately, but so much more of it can be discovered out in the world. If only you could find the right way into Hogwarts, perhaps you could be a wizard too. Well, not exactly. Harry was born special, he was targeted by the evil sorcerer Voldemort, who believed that Harry would bring about his doom, but also not really. Yes, he is the boy who lived, the prophesied child who will destroy Voldemort, but Potter fans will remember that this prophecy could have either applied to Harry or his classmate, Neville Longbottom. And who might you be, young man? Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Piling up on this, Harry is just one of many classmates. Yes, he has amazing magical powers, but he's actually kind of a middling student. Not terrible by any stretch, but he needs Hermione's help with his homework just as much as Ron. What Harry is good at is Quidditch, solving puzzles, being brave, and standing up for what's right. All secondary strengths that we all wish we had. He's the kind of kid we all wish we were in school. It just so happens that for Harry, his school is infested with mortal dangers. Now, not every protagonist needs to have been born with innate gifts. Some are given them through a freak accident. My name is John Crichton, an astronaut, a radiation wave hit, and I got shot through a wormhole. I'm lost in some distant part of the universe on a ship, a living ship full of strange alien life. Some develop them over the years. Obi-Wan has taught you well. They don't need magic or mutant powers or anything like that. What makes them interesting from a story world perspective is that they would be singular in our world, but just a part of a whole society of similar individuals in their own. Now it's time for your prompt. Let's make sure you have three aspects written down. What is your character's non-relatable strength? How is it tied to the world of your story in a way so that they're not alone? How is this aspirational in some way for the audience? Write down about a sentence for each. You can expand upon it later. It's more important that you're thinking about it now. Pause if you need to, and when you're ready, we can begin again. The next element is your character's flaw, and boy, do your characters need flaws. These elements aren't nearly as fun as creating all the cool stuff that your characters can do, but they're even more important. Not everybody can do magic, but everybody was a teenager, and everybody knows how reckless teenagers can be. I hope he finds me. Because when he does, I'm going to be ready. When he does, I'm gonna kill him! Your character's flaws keep them grounded. They make them more like us. They also give them something to change, or accept, or think through as they go on their journey. We will see them shift, and because of that, we will like them. Nobody likes a character that has all the right answers, solves all the problems, and comes out on the other end just fine, thank you. Real characters have real problems, and just as their strengths speak to the aspirational world, so too do their flaws speak to our world. 
We understand them and what they're going through, even if they're wielding a lightsaber or a wand made out of holly and imbued with a phoenix feather core. I wondered when I'd be seeing you, Mr. Potter. For Harry, his recklessness is understandable. He's the new kid in school. He's the son with a pedigree who doesn't know if he can shoulder the responsibility. He's the rich kid in his circle of friends. He has bad relatives who cause him problems. And yes, he's a teenager who makes stupid mistakes sometimes. These can be frustrating at parts, but we know that Harry's heart is in the right place. So we allow him his faults, or rather, we grow to like him more as he works through them. This is the key. Your character can't have too many flaws, or else their one flaw can't be too big. Self-doubt and a lack of self-confidence are two areas I recommend people avoid, because they're narrative poison. Nobody likes a whiny hero who doesn't think that they're up to the task. They may indeed not be up to the task, and they may believe it, but having them complain about it keeps them from getting what they want. Instead, figure out two or three minor flaws, things like being a little bossy or making jokes at inappropriate moments, and one larger one, haunted by the sins of the past or unable to control their immense power. These will counterbalance their many strengths and make audiences want to cheer for them. So let's make your characters relatable. I want you to choose one big flaw for your character. It should counterbalance their strength in some way and make them relatable to us. If needs be, look in the mirror or think of someone who annoys you. What is your flaw or their flaw? How could that be turned into a strength or overcome or accepted in some fashion? Pause the program if you're taking part, and when you're ready, we can move on. Now, what do your characters want? Sometimes it's very base and immediate. <laughs> while other times it's grandiose and nebulous. Humanity does this to us. Not if we show them a better path. You still believe? Just because someone stumbles, loses their way, it doesn't mean they're lost forever. Sometimes we all need a little help. It is this desire to change the world, the idea that things can shift if people put their minds to it, that create inspiring narratives. Good stories are about someone interesting who makes a big choice and changes the world forever. Bad stories are about someone boring who doesn't do anything and nothing really matters. The world and the change don't need to be big, however, so long as they're big to the characters. A journey from Minnesota to San Francisco is more important than a journey to the far reaches of space if you're a young woman with literal emotional strife who is facing her first major struggle with her family. I know you don't want me to, but I miss home. Let's start with the big goal, then. The outer goal. The thing that everybody sees or understands. In Harry Potter, it's pretty obvious. Harry Potter. The boy who lived. Come to die. Harry Potter needs to avenge his parents' death. Voldemort killed them and would have killed him were it not for the circumstances that the books can explain far better than I. Every journey that Harry goes on is about stopping Voldemort from coming back or preventing his forces from mobilizing, or solving a mystery that Voldemort's followers have placed in Harry's way. Do you see the step-by-step -step structure here? This is a big journey. When Harry is first admitted to Hogwarts, is it possible that he can stop Voldemort? We know that a confrontation will happen at some point, yet there's no way that an 11-year-old can fight a horrific necromancer who almost took over the world. The outer goal is seemingly impossible, yet the elements to conquering it can be achieved. Retrieve the Philosopher's Stone. 
discover the Chamber of Secrets. Stop the prisoner of Azkaban. Well, learn the truth about the prisoner of Azkaban. These are things Harry can do on his own. How does he eat an elephant? One bite at a time, washing it down with butterbeer. Yet these goals also speak to a larger world. Someone created the stone, the chamber, the prison. Before Voldemort, there was Grindelwald. Before Headmaster Albus Dumbledore, there was Dexter Fortescue. Many of these figures are tied into our major character in some way, but the world existed before him and will exist after him. Individual stories can be solved in 300 pages, or two hours, or a couple of episodes, but story worlds have dozens of such adventures. In the very first book of Harry Potter, Nicholas Flamel, the creator of the Philosopher's Stone, which grants immortality, allows it to be destroyed so that it won't fall into the wrong hands, dooming him to inevitable death. Yet Dumbledore tells Harry that this is the natural order of things. People are born, people live, and people die. More than a bit of foreshadowing, it's also stating outright that Harry's life and adventure will be amazing, and just one part of a larger world that has had many, many prophesied heroes before him. So, for your own story, I want you to give your character a seemingly unachievable goal, something that cannot be solved quickly, something that is visual, visible, understandable, unequivocal. Then, think of three mini-goals that your character can achieve that will help them get to that biggin up front. Also, I want you to showcase how they will expand the world in some way and hint at issues to come for your character. Press pause for now if you're taking part, starting up when you're ready. Otherwise, let's continue. Next, we'll be getting onto the inner goal. This is a more emotional, psychological twist on our main character's state of mind. What do they really want? Yes, Harry wants to stop Voldemort, wants to keep the world safe, wants to get through school. Yet that's not quite it, is it? Yes, that is the overarching goal, but think more deeply. What does Harry really want? It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest and most desperate desires of our hearts. Now you, Harry, who have never known your family, you see them standing beside you. Harry wants a family. He never knew his own. He has the Dursleys, but the less said about their parenting skills, the better. Instead, Harry finds a family in this wizarding world that he never knew existed. He's not a god or a champion or a sex symbol. When he looked into the mirror of Erised, he saw himself with his parents. More than anything, Harry wants to belong. Through the course of his adventures, this need will be tested time and again. His best friend Ron will stop talking to him. Harry will try and fail with the ladies. He will be forced to compete in the Triwizard Tournament, earning him scorn from the rest of the school, who believe that Cedric Diggory is Hogwarts' real champion. Harry will never get appreciation from the Slytherins, of course, but he doesn't want to be an outcast either. In almost every situation, one of the big goals in Harry's adventure of the year is to get back to normalcy. Despite being a wizard, despite being a prophesied hero, he just wants to go to school without a target on his back. This journey of giving and receiving love is quite important across the franchise as well. Magical beasts and where to find them is filled with strangers becoming friends, friends becoming lovers, and lovers becoming enemies, at least according to J.K. Rowling post facto. We see dozens of characters trying to find love, trying to fit in, trying to survive, trying to protect those who they love. Even the Malfoys want that. Yet it is the one thing that Voldemort can't understand. It is what will inevitably aid Harry in his final battle. I won't spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. Besides, we have work to do. If you're following along, 
I want you to create an inner goal for your character. This should be much more indefinable. It is probably tied to your character's flaws in some way. Peter Parker is kind of a flake, but that's because he cannot rest in his fight against crime as the amazing Spider-Man. Will crime ever be stopped? No. Will Peter ever get his Uncle Ben back? No. Will Peter ever stop skipping out on dates, lectures, and job interviews in order to right the wrongs of the world? Heck no. So what is your protagonist's inner goal? And how does it tie into the world? What basic emotion does it speak to? How will other people understand it, even if you never state it outright? When you're finished, look back and see if you have a protagonist with a non-relatable strength that reflects an aspirational world, a relatable flaw that reflects our own world, an outer goal that's seemingly impossible to achieve, an inner goal for which your main character must strive. Got it? And just in time. We're running out of it, unfortunately. But don't forget, we'll be continuing our journey through the five elements of story structure in the next episode, which will be dealing with needs. Your character has to have them. But how can we extrapolate from those goals we've created above? How can we create a whole story world out of the desires of your characters? Well, you'll have to tune in to find out. You can find me on Twitter at Words of Steel or on my website, steelphilipec.com check out our old episodes and other content. Until then, keep working on your work and finding your own perfect story world. This episode of Building a Better Story World was produced and sound recorded by Jen Bagel and Ojoa Newton. It was written, created, and engineered by Steel Tyler Filipek. The theme song, Asia, is by Ilya Marfin via icons8.com. All narrative clips are used under the Fair Use Doctrine, as defined by Title 17 of the United States Code, subsection 107, in that they are used for nonprofit educational work for the purpose of analysis, have been transformed from their initial records by audio engineering for podcasting, and are not substantive of the entire work or function as a direct market substitute. Audio effects are provided by freesound.org under the Creative Commons license. If you feel that this production has unfairly used a piece of audio to which you own the rights, please contact helmstarmedia at gmail.com.